0: So here's the deal. Um, the video was true. What, the, the, the rules of, like, gravity, we'll just take that into consideration for just a second, are, are the same um, as the kingdom of heaven as in the fact that they, whoo, holy spirit, all right. So they're the same as in, the, like, you can't bend the rules of gravity and you can't, you can't break them and you can't, you know, you know, some of those magicians that levitate, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know, you know, I don't know what to do with that. But you can't, if you were going to walk off a bridge, you're going to fall. We've got one person that knows the law of gravity. Let's try that one more time. If you walk off a bridge, you're going to fall. Amen, Georgian. All right, so here's the deal. Um, The the, the kingdom of heaven is is the same, okay? And the laws in the Bible are the same in the fact that there's a certain way to live and there's a certain way, uh, there's a certain set of things that are true about this world, and um, you'd have a lot of people tell you that they're not true, and in this house, what we believe is that what the Bible says is true, um, and so we look at that, and we say, what we can take as absolute out of here, the best we know how, um, we we go with that, okay, and so, so the general story is that, you know, sin enters the world with, through Adam and Eve, and uh, fractures all of humanity, so that they're separated from God. And that is the situation that we are all in um, or that we are all born into whenever you were born. And so there's this moment where uh, a lot of us, depending on where we're from or what we do or what kind of church we go to or if we go to church or not, um, we may or may not uh, have made a decision to follow Jesus or become a Christian. Um, but what I would tell you, and this is, a, I'm a pastor, so this probably shouldn't surprise you, is that that's the only way. And the reason I know that is because uh, it says so in John 14, and he said so. He said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Okay, so, so there's, there's one way. He also says there's, there's a very small path that leads to life, and there's this huge, like, interstate highway that leads to destruction. Most people are on that big path, and they, a lot of them even think they're on this small path, and they're not. And so there's all these times in Scripture where you'd see people um, doing uh, what they thought was right, and they were absolutely doing the opposite. We're gonna talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, Speaking of sin though, to kinda get us kicked off, um, how many of you have met my son, Kipton? Some of you have, some of you haven't. Um, We'll just put a picture of him on the screen if you haven't met him. He happens to be one of the cuter babies you'll ever see in your life. And uh, this picture is taken during his favorite part of the day, bath time. And uh, one of the things that we do is we uh, I don't know why some babies do things. Um, Sometimes you'll see me post things like videos of things I'm doing with Kipton. They're very embarrassing. And I wouldn't have posted those like pre-dadhood, but now I don't really care. And so there's the things that like make him laugh. And so for whatever reason, um, when he gets naked and if you hold him up in the air and you yell bath time, he's like, yeah, he does this. I don't know why. I don't know what's so special about that. But if you yell bath time, He's in it to win it. So um, he, uh, the, the rubber ducky happens to be his favorite toy in the bathtub. We recently gave him a little squirter toy that is competing for the rubber ducky, but we'll talk about that later. Um, he loves the rubber ducky. Yesterday, uh, see, here's the deal. Here's what I have to say. And some of you people in here, you're going to think I'm a bad dad when I say this. My son is a dirty rotten sinner. He's a dirty rotten sinner. You know why? Because he was born that way. Because through Adam, like he sinned, and, and and you did too when you were born. And so, so there's this cute little baby that you might see when you're when you're leaving in the parking lot and stuff like that. Which is why I would like you to drive safely, because I would like to keep my son alive. Um, but you're gonna see him walking around and smiling and flirting. He loves girls. Um, that's gonna be major trouble for us later. And um, but you'll see him, and he's all happy and he's all smiles. But he's a sinner. He is. And you're thinking, okay, well, he's like 18 months old. Actually, he's going to be 18 months old next week. And, um, and you're thinking, what does he do to sin? You know, does he disobey? Moms and dads know that, that kids learn to disobey pretty early, and it's not that they actually learn to. It's just that they just do. Last night was the beginning, from my perspective, of his sin life. I didn't talk to my wife about this, but she probably knows where I'm going. Um, he learned the word no last night. He was in the bath, and uh, he, usually, he does this thing where he loves to put his toys up. And so he's standing up in the tub, which is scary enough, and he walks over to this little net thing that hangs on the wall, and he's like trying to put him in. He's trying to keep his balance and pull the net back at the same time. It's a really cute little thing. Sometimes I'll help him. Sometimes I'll let him slip and fall and break his chin. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Maybe not. Um, so... So last night, he started putting his toys away super early, and I'm like, okay, maybe he's tired, maybe he wants to go to bed. Didn't put the rubber ducky away. And last night, he, uh, he wouldn't put the rubber ducky away. And so I was like, you know, I'm tired. I had a long day. I got to finish up some work for the gathering. And so I reached down and I grabbed it, and that's where the sin entered my son, I think. Um, he swats my hand... He grabs it, and he holds it close to his chest. (laughs) He starts doing this. No! I'm like, so I spanked him till his butt was bloody. (laughs) How many of you believe I did that? No, I didn't. Okay, so here's the deal. I didn't spank him, but I was so surprised because he literally took it from me and started whining, started shaking his head and yelling no at me. It wasn't like, no, sir. <laughs> it was like, uh, get out of my face, dad. Bath time ain't over yet. <laughs> and so I called Christian, and this is the funny thing, this happens with babies. I called Christian, I was like, you gotta look. He learned the word no. And he probably has said it before, but it was like, I said, bath time's over, and he said, no. <laughs> so I called her in, and I was like, Trying to get him to perform, and so I was like, all right, Kipton, bad time's over. He's like, okay. (laughs) What the heck is up with that? So, so my son is a sinner, okay? And he's not a sinner because he's he's a bad, well, he's a bad person. (laughs) He it's kind of weird to say that about an 18-month-old. He's a really bad person. He is. All of us are born that way, okay? And so I say that to say this, that is a law that we were born into. We were born under sin because of, um, and theologians get into, into discussions about this, but, but I, I personally believe that you made the choice to sin too, okay? It wasn't just that Adam sinned and then that you got the curse too, although it is a curse, okay? You do get the sin nature, but, but how many of you have lived like, let's just say a day without sin? Right, okay, and if you raise your hand, you're a liar and you just sinned. So like none of us do that, right? So we all make this, this choice of sin and there's this, um, there's this thing where, where we're living our life and, and, um, and what we want to tell you just as, as Indian Springs Baptist Church and local churches in Sling County and churches all over the world is we just want to tell you a simple story that, that you have sin in your life, that it separates you from God and Jesus came to die to bridge that gap again so that you could have peace with God. Now, he didn't just die and then all of humanity was in. There's this moment. There's this interaction. There's this, there's this exchange that has to happen where you say, God, I give up my life. I give up all rights to be the boss. I get your righteousness, but I give you my life. I give you my sin. You paid for it on the cross. I hand that over to you. Okay, so there's this thing that happens. There's And every single one of us in this room actually has to deal with that at one point or another, okay? So the people that are being baptized aren't just the people that are going through this. And the adults in the room and myself, we're not the only uh, people that have to deal with this issue. All of us at some point or another, like, run into Jesus. And all of us have to make this decision. Are we going to follow him or are we going to not? Or are we going to be like a scoffer and a mocker of Jesus or are we not, you know? And you'll meet all kinds of different people that meet make all kinds of different decisions in that scope, okay, but all of us at some point are going to have to make the decision on what we do with Jesus, if you want to, we're going to be in John 8, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John 8 tonight, Um, but uh, as you turn there, um, um, I want to uh, pray, so I'm going to pray, if you've got your Bible and you want to uh, go ahead and turn to John 8, you can go ahead and do that, we'll have the words on the screen when we go there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for uh, what this night stands for. Um, it's not, it doesn't even just stand for us. It stands for what you did for us. Uh, I, I don't want to be quick to say, look what we can do when we make a decision to follow you. Like you even gave us the gift to follow you uh, of faith and and you sent your son to die and and anything that we have today is, is really just an act of mercy because we all deserve hell in the first place. And God, sometimes that's so hard for us to hear but the truth is, is that That's the world we live in, and that's the human condition. And so even sitting here right now, the fact that we're breathing, we just thank you for that. We thank you for that act of mercy. We thank you for for this chance to sit down and just kind of focus on you and your son. So we do ask that you would reveal your son to us through your word, God. And I pray that when we see your son, and I pray that when we would interact with Jesus, that we would never be the same, that we make a decision to follow him. And uh, that's all I ask. God, I ask that you would be honored. I pray that you would give me accuracy and wisdom as I, as I speak your words. And um, I, I do pray that I'm just up here speaking your words and not mine. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So we're talking about sin. We're talking about regrets. And, um, and, and there's, this, um, there's this time where you all have to, you know, like how many would say, like, I don't have a whole lot of regrets? Does anyone would say that? Like, I live my life in such a way that there's no regrets? Okay, so all of us are pretty much there. So before I run into this, like we're gonna be talking uh, about a woman that was caught in adultery, okay? We're talking, there, there's, some, there's some regrets there. Um, in fact, I, I, I have some regrets as, as just a, a person, not necessarily as a student pastor. Um, there's these things, these situations that I get myself into. Is there ever a time where you like want the rewind button on your life? Um, all the time, right? Like, we make mistakes all the time. How many of you made one of those mistakes today? Let's just throw it out there. Let's keep it real. I want the rewind button. I want to start at, at 6 a.m. again today. Or maybe 7 or 8 or 9 or noon. Um, wherever it is, you know, you want to you hit the rewind button. Um, one, of, one of my friends, Scott Workman, um, actually, he um, he he did this thing where, where he, he went on my phone this one day and uh, he he took this picture of me. Do you know where I'm going with this, buddy? Yeah. Okay. So he didn't say anything, which means he does. Um, I took this picture uh, and I'm not going to show it to you because it's embarrassing, um, but he's been threatening to use it against me. And, and so it's this picture of me in a Jeep um, with my shirt off, uh, with my hair waving. And I think I'm like even posing like this. So is this regret that I have. And there's not even just regrets like that, but there's other regrets in my life. The funny thing is is that he has regrets too. Um, And the the cool thing is is that that I'm gonna share one of them with you, and he doesn't even know this. But have you ever thought about how weird it is to be friends with like a youth pastor, and like he knows all your sins and all your stuff that goes wrong in your life? Um, And some stuff we did wrong like a long time ago. And so I have actually a couple pictures that I want to show you of, of regrets of Scott um, Scott's life. If you wanna just go ahead and uh, put that first one up. This is, this is Scott as little boy. It's cute, right? Now remember, dirty rotten sinner. He's a cute little redhead. Dirty rottens, we got a couple more pictures. Let's keep them rolling. Because uh, we don't wanna spend too much time here. Those are braids, ladies and gentlemen. Those are braids. Okay, keep going. Let's see some more. Uh, those are some wicked glasses right there. I like those. Those are some nice glasses. Let's keep it going. Um, there's a couple more times where he puts on some, some clothes that may be embarrassing. Um, and, uh, you know, you wonder why you do that. Keep, keep, keep it rolling. We'll just kind of keep looking at pictures. And, and here's, the, um, here's Scott playing with a Barbie doll. And then then the last, because it gets way worse than that, last but not least, I mean, if you're gonna play with the Barbie doll, at least put some clothes on (laughs) while you're doing it. You know what I mean? Like, at least put some clothes on. I love you, bro. (laughs) Um, We all have regrets. We all have regrets in our life. Um, Real quick before we jump into our study um, How many of you know of uh, of a guy named Lecrae? He's a Christian rapper We had him in for a concert last year Um, He did a video with uh, IamSecond.com And they released it yesterday And he tells a story And because a lot of us are acquainted with him I kind of wanted to get kind of his perspective On what this whole regret thing is all about And what he did with it So before we jump into the Bible I want to kind of get a testimony from him So if you want to roll that video We'll look at that
1: I remember when I was 17 and a woman asked me are you saved I didn't have any idea what she meant I was like saved what the heck is saved the best thing I could think through was maybe she means am I like my grandmother and um, I adamantly told her no <laughs> because I'm not like my grandmother do hip-hop music. It's more than music. It's actually a culture. It's the lens by which you see the world. They talking reckless what you expecting from The Walking Dead. I Man, it's okay to be bold, passionate. It's masculinity. It's what I do. <laughs> I used to sneak and watch rap videos in my grandmother's house. I was too little. She wouldn't have let me watch them. And I would sit there and watch them and I would just marvel. Late at night I found people to look up to. There were no uh um, Barack Obama's, there were no Martin Luther King's and Malcolm X's, they would all passed away, and so I had to buy. I've been trapped since birth, cautious cause I'm cursed, the fantasies of my family in a hearse, and they say it's the white man I should fear, but it's my own kind doing all the killing here. I wasn't a, the greatest athlete, definitely wasn't a scholarly student, I wasn't the toughest guy, um, but being able to rap was my source of significance. I grew up wrestling with significance because my, my father and my mother weren't together. Um, never met my father. He uh, became a drug addict and kind of let his life crumble. I felt like my dad was this piece of my life that I needed to have to feel like I was somebody. Having a single mother who worked a lot, you know, she just had to entrust me in the care of family members and different people a lot of times. I experienced abuse as a kid, I experienced neglect and, and, uh, you know, different kind of things. And so I was just wanting real significance and I didn't feel like I was going to get it trying to be uh, this manicured, good, all around student and person. The people I looked up to were gangsters. You know, my uncle, I remember him You know, showing me a gun. And I just wanted to be like those guys, so I took a, a BB gun and stood in the middle of the street and pointed it at a car and um, and just saw the lady panic and freak out. And for me, that was just fun. I, I just I didn't have anything to do. I wanted to be back in the inner city. I wanted to be, you know, doing criminal activity. So I just kept rebelling and I, I kept doing worse in drugs 16 fighting all the time got arrested in high school for stealing he was just like man what are you what are you gonna do with your life got put on a gang list remember thinking like man i guess I, i i'm supposed to care from drugs to drinking to i'm a wreck partying to i don't fit anywhere i'm just this misfit of a person my mother was like you just need to read your bible I remember ripping the pages out of the Bible and throwing them on the floor, I said, I want this Bible. I just couldn't wrap my hands around this being true, this being real. My grandmother was a Christian. You know, I would have to go to church with her. It was it was like older people. It was old people. So for me, church wasn't about God, and church was for them. It wasn't for me. It's probably not real. Probably just... Something people use as a crutch. I think as the emptiness started to to get more profound, when I had to drink more, smoke more, find another woman, another woman, another woman, I was really, really, really in a dark place. 546 in the morning. Tossing and turning chest burning sermons in my head keep reoccurring having visions in my head of a kid crying at the feet of the Father for all the wrong things that he did now. I'm sweating in my sheets can't sleep because my mind keep telling me I'm six feet deep Don't remind me even though I'm still alive. I can't tell the way I'm living my life. I feel I'm going to hell um, I got invited by a friend to a conference and, uh, you know, I'm really just more excited about being in a big city. I'm more excited about there being girls. I'm more excited about just what the city brings. I'm not really concerned about the conference. So I get to the conference and um, I see like, I see guys who have been shot from being in gangs. I see, you know, girls who were extremely promiscuous in the past. I see rappers, I see, dancers, I see singers, I see people who came from the same background I came from. um, And they still embodied who they were culturally, but they were all in love with Jesus. And I'd never seen that before. And then I saw another group, and they they were sold out for Jesus, and they were rapping, and and you heard about it in their songs, and I was just like, what in the world? And as I listened to the lyrics, I was like, man, I don't know this. I don't understand this God, this God they're talking about. And then finally, uh, someone got up and said, do you know you've been bought with a price? And he told me the story of Jesus on Golgotha and and him carrying the cross and him uh, bearing all of my sin, all of my lying, all of my cheating, all of my... My, my escapades, all of my drinking and drugging and put it on his own back. And he said, I was bought with the price. And it made me think, man, like somebody thinks I'm significant enough to die for me. Somebody thinks I'm significant enough to climb up this mountain with this cross on his back and take nails in his wrists and his feet for me. I remember articulating, like, God, get me out of this, just don't kill me. Do whatever you got to do to get me out of this, just don't kill me. I was driving down the highway, and I turned too quick and lost control of the wheel. My car flipped over again and again. The roof caved in, windshield caved in, no seatbelt, glass everywhere. My glasses that I had on were molded like kind of into the frame of the car and uh, and I didn't have a scratch. That was it. <laughs> I said, I get it. Called up my friends who I knew were living for Jesus and I said, we got to make this happen. Um, I'm coming home. I saw change happening. I spent a lot of time searching for father figures. And just saw the evidence. And God has shown me that, you know, ultimately he's my father. And it drives me to keep pressing. I started volunteering at a juvenile detention center. And some of those songs that I had written in my darkest times when I was crying out to God, I would do for them. And you just see them sitting there weeping. And time after time, they keep requesting it. Can you do that song again? Can you do that song again? I just need that to hold on to. I need... Something that's going to remind me that I need Jesus. It hit me like, this is what I want to do. I want to use music to, to offer hope and encouragement to people. I was created by God, but I didn't want to be like him. I want to be him. The Jack Sparrow of my Caribbean. I remember the first created being. And how he shifted the blame on his dame for food he shouldn't have eaten. And now look at us all out of Eden, wearing designer fig leaves by Louis Vuitton, make-believing. But God sees through my foolish pride, and that I'm weak like Adam, another victim of Lucifer's lies. But then in steps Jesus. All men were created to lead, but we needed somebody to lead us. More than a teacher, but somebody to buy us back from the darkness. You could say he redeemed us. I've learned to stay close to my source of significance, to my source of worth, and uh, this guy. My name is Lecrae, and I am second.
0: Okay, so you hear the story of Lecrae, and um, it, the thing that I want you to catch about that is the word significance popped out to me. He was always in a search for a significance, and and. And I think something that just the Lord is putting on my heart right now is just I I want to tell you just something very simple before we jump in, John 8. It's just that this is for you too. Like, this isn't just for the people that are getting baptized. This isn't just for the guy who's called a pastor um, or the people who are called Christians. Like, Jesus' story is offered to every single person, not only in the world, specifically in this room, like, Jesus Jesus wants a relationship with you. Jesus wants you to follow him, okay? So we're, we're gonna read, and, and, and the question I want you to keep coming up in your mind is just this, like, what am I gonna do with Jesus when he walks into my life, okay? So we're reading in John 8. The verses are gonna be on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible. Um, John 8, verse 1 says, "'But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. "'Early in the morning he came again to the temple. "'All the people came to him, "'and he sat down and taught them.'" as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Um, this, this might be a familiar story to you. Or maybe you've heard the phrase throw stones. This is where it comes from. Um, and, it, and once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Okay, so there's a story of this woman who obviously sinned. Okay, obviously sinned. Like, this is, this is a home wrecker in our, in, in our day and time. Um, this is a woman who comes in um, and, and, and breaks up a marriage, and none of us have a lot of grace for someone like that okay, um, and, and I, I want to offer a, a different perspective, and it's a perspective that not a lot of us are going to embrace when it comes down to it, but I, what I'm going to show you is that what Jesus did is that he didn't condemn her, he didn't, and he was without sin, that's the interesting thing, he asked the, the religious leaders, are you without sin, should we stone you too, and what do they do, they dropped the rocks and they walked away okay? Here's a couple interesting things that I, I picked up in this passage. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them, okay? And, and, and so expressly, what was his purpose going to the temple? A lot of good things, but when it came to, came to uh, what he actually did, people wanted to hear his teaching, so they came. Now, the scribes and Pharisees, here's the interesting thing. They brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and they placed her in the midst, and they said to him, teacher, this woman's been caught in the act of adultery. We're supposed to stone her, so what do you say? And then in verse, in verse 6 it said, they said this to test him. Did they, I mean, what was their purpose? Did they actually want to know the answer? They didn't. They just wanted to back him into a corner. Now here's the interesting thing about Jesus. This is what's, like, what's kind of cool about Jesus. He doesn't feel the need to like respond to all the dumb questions. I kind of I want to follow Jesus in that way sometimes. You know what I mean? Like when critics come and they say, well, I don't like the way you're doing that. Or I don't like the way you're doing this or blah, 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 you know? Sometimes I just want to be like, hmm, and then just draw in the sand and then just see what they do. But Jesus could pull stuff off like that. I don't know historically what he was doing, drawing the sand and stuff like that, but here's the interesting thing. He didn't have a whole lot to say to these religious leaders, and this is what I was talking about earlier. These religious leaders, I think, thought they were doing the right thing. I believe with all my heart that they believed with all their heart that they were doing the right thing. They weren't necessarily coming up to Jesus thinking he was God. They were trying to get him to say something that wasn't true so that they could corner him, call him a blasphemer, get him charged, and get him off the streets. But Jesus often does things differently than, than we might um, He ignores them, first of all, and then he only has one thing to say. He has one sentence to say to these people. He says, uh, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. There's all, you realize, I mean, can you think about all the different ways he could have responded to them? And he responded that way. It was graceful, but I think in a side way, it was kind of like, yeah, what's up? What's up now? Jesus just had a what's up now moment. He had those every once in a while. And he's, he's Jesus. So he says, let him who is without sin cast that first stone. And you notice they didn't all drop their stones at once. I think there's probably a little bit of peer pressure honestly involved. Like, we'll see what he wants to do. You want to, what do you think? Because he just kind of cornered us and we don't really have anything to say anymore. What do you think? All right, let's go. You know? What, what what are you going to do? And there was constantly times like that. He said things like that, um, but Jesus gave no room for the accusers. And if you read through the Gospels, you'll see all different times where he reserved his harshest words for the religious leaders of the day. Um, and the thing that stinks about that, guys, is like I look in our society, like, and I'm not saying I'm like a religious leader, but I kind of am. You know, like I'm a pastor. It's my title. I'm like. I really don't want to be those guys. So it takes some focus, right? It takes some focus. Here's, here's what I see. I see a group of humans who are focusing on the rules and not the God of the rules. And that's where they, that's where they went off course most times. Because Jesus would say, I bring a new law to you. And they're like, no, 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 no. We like the old one, the one that Moses brought. The human. Not the son of God. We, we'll take the human. Yeah. You think how dumb it sounds when we when we look back on it, but we do the same thing today. Okay? Let me just throw this out there. This is gonna hurt some of your feelings. And I'm okay with that. How many of you have criticized someone today? Don't raise your hands, just Oh you're like, oh you're... no I didn't. Uh-uh, I'm perfect. No one's in here is perfect. Okay? How many of you have don't raise your hands You literally, like, you took a shot at someone with the intent to wound them. Just feel that kind of just weight set on you. How many of you have, and by the way, when I say you, I'm in that, okay? It's you plural and I am in that because I do that too, okay? We all have this sin nature that we've been talking about And I do this too. How many of you have ever uh, looked at someone else's faults or shortcomings or maybe their failures and you thought, well, that makes me feel better about myself. Nervous laughter, right? You know, don't we do that? It's like terrible. And Jesus, he looks at all the rest of them, he says, you got shortcomings too, don't you, bud? Yeah, Mm mm-hmm, I do. It's rough. So Jesus knew the religious leaders had ulterior motives. That's the, that's the one thing I think I want to draw out of just this one part of the passage. Like Jesus knew that their focus wasn't on, on God necessarily. It certainly wasn't on the Son of God who he came proclaiming. He was the Son of God. He, he, he did some miracles to prove that. He was prophesied about. And there was all kinds of times where they didn't want to believe him. And, and there may, might have been times where I didn't want to believe him. He's a human who, who walks around not necessarily looking like a king, looking more homeless than anything, and he walks out and he says he's the son of God. I probably would have been tempted to, to call him a blasphemer too. I'm just going to kind of put myself in that, like, we're not going to look back at this and say, look at those idiots. We probably would have done it too. But he noticed that they had ulterior motives. Guys, what is our motive? What is our motive? Kind of think about that. for. Let, what is your motive? And, and, and for just a second, I'm just going to talk to Christians. Like, this message is given to everyone in the room, but just Christians, just for a second, just kind of think, what is my motive? Is it to go to church? Is it to be good? Is it to read your Bible a lot? Is it have a good relationship with Jesus? Is it a combination? Is it none of the above? I want to submit to you that if we focus on Jesus... We will screw up and we will have regrets and we we will continue to commit sin because that's our nature. Although we're trying to put death to our sin and, and repent of that sin and move away from it and move towards Jesus, if we focus on what Jesus has for us in his word and what he's doing in our hearts, we'll be on a pretty good path. Not perfect by any means. None of us, none of us are perfect. No one's good. It says that in Romans 3. No one's good. No one's perfect. Jesus is the only one. Sometimes we tend to put other things above Jesus, okay? And those can be good things. We can even put, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about like making sure you have enough Bible reading time in? And you're thinking, well, how could that be above Jesus? Well, it's this this badge that you want to wear. It's not necessarily you want to get close to Jesus. It's it's you want to say that you read the Bible for three hours a day. It's this badge. You know what that is? That's pride. That's idolatry. What about, what about going to church? Guys, I can go to church and sleep through every sermon. It's not getting me anywhere good. I just want to submit to you, if you're not going after Jesus, you're doing, you got your priorities wrong. And if you're not going after Jesus, then you're an idol worshiper. And all of us have idols in our lives from time to time, and some of us have more than others, and some of us are, are, are trying to keep Jesus at the top of that list, and some of us are just like, who's jesus you know there's everyone's kind of on a different scale there but the truth is is that all of us and this is what i'm going to go back to just like gravity just like the law in the bible jesus is the way and the truth and the life truth and the life no one comes to the father but by him okay and if anyone If anyone is a Christian, a genuine, legit Christian, it is not by works. It's not by anything they could do. It's not because they got baptized. It's not because they read their Bible. It's not because they prayed a prayer. It's because there was grace involved that came down from Jesus because he paid for our sins. Lecrae said it just a second ago. Do you realize that you've been bought with a price? You hear that? You have been bought. That's passive voice. That means you are not the active agent in your salvation. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't do something to get saved. I'm talking to Christians right now, just for a second, but like none of us in this room can do anything to earn God's favor. It is by grace and by grace alone, okay? And you see that in this story. Now, I had an interesting conversation with my friend Alvin that led over here about two weeks ago, two weeks ago or so, and um, he, he brought something up to me that I, I'm sad to say I've never thought about because when I, when I get up and I say, it's by grace, through faith not by works that's what it says in Ephesians 2:8:9 doesn't it but what does the book of James say about faith it says if faith doesn't accompany works it's what dead you know what dead means not alive like that dead raccoon on the side of the road dead like your relationship with Jesus flatlined Okay, so if your relationship with Jesus, if your faith doesn't produce works, James would say to you right now, hey, your faith is dead. Your faith is dead. If your tree does not produce fruit, you are not rooted in Christ. Does that make sense? Is that, that's, that should scare us a little bit. If you're not feeling just a little like, okay, I'm gonna need to check myself here. Like, if I'm not producing spiritual fruit, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, da 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 da, da. If my life isn't pr- producing that, I need to look in the mirror, okay? And here's what I realized, guys. I, I have grown into this time of preaching where I kind of preach on the same thing every time I get the chance. You know why? Because I'm just not convinced we got it all right. Because there's a whole lot of reasons that we chase after Jesus, and I think a lot of those reasons don't have anything to do with Jesus, it has to do with some kind of badge that we're wearing or because maybe our friends or our family are Christians and we don't want to be the weird one. Maybe it's because you don't want to go to hell. Guys, that's idolatry because if you get saved because you don't want to go to hell, which is what I did at 10 years old, was that a legit faith? Absolutely not. Why? Because I wasn't going after Jesus. I was trying not to go to hell. Someone, asked me, someone literally asked me a question. Do you want to go to heaven where mommy and daddy are gonna be, or do you want to burn in hell forever? I was 10 years old. Sign me up for heaven. I'm good. Sign me up. I'm in. Sign me up. And the cool thing is that God had mercy on my soul and allowing me to grow to the age of 16 where I made a decision to follow Him because I knew I couldn't live life on my own. That's that's my story that's my story that without christ you're dead and you're going to be eternally separated from him forever okay so so we have that okay so we see this in the story woman where are they where are you accusers has no one condemned you She said, no one, Lord. You notice how he calls her Lord? What's cool about that? He addressed, sorry, she addressed God as Lord, which means she made a transition point, at at least at some point, to say, you're my boss, okay? When you say that Jesus is your Lord, what you're saying is like, you give him the keys, okay? He's the boss. You don't own your life. That's what lordship is. He's your king, Okay? And he always was king, but to say, I'm done. I can't live this life on my own. I need you. I need a savior. You're my Lord. That's the transition she made in that moment. And if you've never done that, then I want you just to kind of sit and investigate that in your own soul tonight. So what does he say? He doesn't say, All right, no one's condemned you. You're good. Go ahead. Did she sin? She was she was caught in the act of adultery. Did she sin? Adultery is a sin. What did he say? He said, go and sin no more, right? So he puts on an emphasis on the, on the grace aspect. and in, in the same line, he says, but you don't have a license to sin, okay? I do expect you to pursue me, to pursue my word, to pursue holy living. Christians, if, you, if you're living a life where you are saved and you know you can ask for forgiveness later so you can do whatever you want, check yourself. Check it, because that's not authentic faith. That is abusing grace. And in Romans, it says, may it never be that way. May it never, ever, ever be that way. Should we abuse grace? I'm sorry. Should we sin so that grace can abound more? No. No. We chase after Jesus. What's our motive? Jesus. What's our motive? Jesus. That's the best thing that I could say to you tonight. The word here shows this. And if you read anything in the Gospels, anything in the New Testament, anything in the Old Testament, who does it point to? Jesus. If you get hung up on the rules, you're going to get messed up. They're good. The rules are good. They're there for a purpose. The Bible, Romans talks about that too. I, keep, I don't know why I'm not preaching in Romans tonight, because apparently I am. The rules are there to show you that you're off course, okay, but you don't, You don't serve the rules. Who do you serve? You don't serve a thing. You serve a person. That's Jesus. Okay? So here's what I just want to say. Like, At any point in your life, or at some point I should say, if it hasn't happened in the past, and I would be surprised if it hasn't, Jesus is going to walk right into your life. Okay? Did Jesus walk to this woman or, or was she brought to him? Like, Jesus is going to enter right into your circumstance. And what you do with Jesus determines the rest of your life. Why? Because our motive is Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. And what he says goes. The laws in the Bible go. And so what I want to say to you today, just very succinctly, if Jesus is not who and what you're after, I want you to check yourself because you, the truth is that you are separated from God and that if that doesn't change, you're going to be eternally separated from God. And I, I, I'm not here to scare you because someone scared me into believing in Jesus when I was 10. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't for real. Are you in love with Jesus or are you in love with going to church? Are you in love with Jesus or are you in love with being a part of a really cool student ministry where people get baptized and we get really excited? Don't let the momentum of our student ministry blind you. Your relationship with Jesus is what's most important, okay? Now, Christians, let us not be some accusers either, okay? This word has a word for us Christians, Okay, it has a word for non-Christians, there's grace, okay? Jesus wants you to come to him freely. But who brought, who brought the sinful woman? It was, it was like, in our case, it would be the Christians. It would be the religious leaders, okay? Now, whether they were saved or not, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna try to judge that. That's not for me to judge. What I would say is that there's a lot of Christians that are being the accusers that we see in the story. There's a lot of Christians that are out for blood of non-Christians, of Christians alike, Your motive is Jesus. And when your motive is Jesus, you express love. Why? Because that's the natural thing. Jesus is love. When your motive is Jesus, you express love. You will mess up and you will have regrets. I'm not going to lie to you. You're not going to live the rest of your life without sin. And to live that way would be a mess up. But your motive has got to be Jesus. And I don't want to act like I need to do anything more to to try to persuade you in. Like, I feel that we've all been accountable to what Jesus has to say to you today. So just in this moment, I'm gonna pray. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you the chance to make a decision to follow him, okay? Because I actually stopped on on that one verse. I wanna hit chapter, I'm sorry, verse 12 real quick. And this is the last thing I wanna say. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Listen to this. Don't, 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 anyone else, you gotta listen to this. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So are you walking in darkness or are you not? Are you following Jesus or are you not? It, it's really as simple as that. Let's bow our heads real quick. Jesus, we thank you so much for uh, tonight. We thank you for um, bringing us here to this place. We thank you that everyone in here is, is here on purpose, and we thank you just that um, this story is here for us to learn what you're really all about. It's not condemnation. It's grace. But it's not cheap grace. It's not easy grace. It's, it's we're pursuing after your son. So, God, if there's people in here that need to follow you, Let that happen. Let them be bold in that. If there's people in here that need to just do some work with you, maybe they've been following the wrong thing. Maybe they've been following the rules and not not your son. God, let us all, at the end of this night, let us not leave this room without focusing closely on your son. And having done that, let us go out in grace. God, go with us. We know you will. You have promised us that. Let us be a part of showing grace to other people, Christians and non-Christians. We are not out for blood. We are, our motive is you, our motive is your son, and it is love. If it is something else, it is not of you. Let our motive be your son. In the name of pray, amen.